Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Tavern of the Tegrip Warriors podcast. Today, we are here to talk about some of the issues surrounding the domestic league, the K-League, in terms of youth development and some other issues that have been longstanding. We are joined, as always, by the old tavern owner, Mr. Roy Kim. Hey, how's everybody? And also, uh, Jin Sokyang. Hello. Tim Lee. Hey, everyone. And today we have a, a very special guest, and that would be uh, Mr. Steve Han. Steve, how are you? Hi, good, good. How are you guys doing? Very good. And um, Steve, um, you've been on the podcast once before, back, I think it was right after the World Cup, maybe? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, just in case... Asian people, Cup, I think. I Asian think it was Cup. after the Asian, Asian Cup. Cup. Okay, yeah. sorry. My memory's not very good. Um, just uh, in case people are not familiar with uh, who you are since you haven't joined us in a while, can you maybe just do a very short introduction about your what you do? Sure, yeah. Um, I've been a Goal.com career. I've been writing for them since 2008. Um, it's been going pretty strong for the last six years or so. Um, and recently, I also started writing uh, co- weekly columns for Football Channel Asia. So, yeah, just writing about Korean football that way. It's been fun. And can I add a quick plug for what, what he has done for that um, Asian football channel? Um, wrote an excellent piece on uh, Lee Sung-woo and, and some of the situation happening. Um, some of it I, may be pertinent for today's topic topical uh, things. So, yeah, just fantastic stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, check out uh, Steve's stuff on Football Channel Asia. Gold.com Korea is, uh, of course, in Korean, so um, if you can read it, understand it, then certainly check out his, his articles there, too, as well. And another quick plug, um, Jay Chi has been um, translating for the KFA website, and um, I just put up, I think you've just put up the one for um, Korea's um, title loss, unfortunately, to Japan, um, but some just excellent stuff. Um, and definitely check out the KFA English website for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, there's always just a couple articles that come out, I guess, very short, usually match reports, but it's always just my own personal thought to, yeah, check it out, drive up the page views. So the KFA sees that there are foreign fans and international fans that are interested all right, so enough with the introductions. Let's go ahead and move on and, and get into um, our first topic, which is the uh, recently or newly returned R-League, the Reserve League. Um, originally, the R-League was around, if I'm not mistaken, from 2000 to 2012. At that point, it got discontinued, and this year they are bringing it back. Uh, little small factual things about it, there are... 14 teams participating from, in the R-League this next year. It would be uh, Suwon Samsung FC Seoul, Sungnam FC Incheon United, Seoul Ilan, Puchan, Goyang, Ansan, Jambuk, Ulsan, Busan, Daejeon, Daegu, and Chungju. And so um, the first thing, question, I guess, um, and since Steve, you're, you're our guest of honor, and I think you know probably a little bit more about the R-League than we do, is... Why after, <laughs> yeah. Why after after three or four years did they decide to bring this the R League back? Well, I mean, when they first abolished it, the idea was that because they introduced the under twenty three rule for the actual K League matches, um, they thought that they were serving the purpose of 
um, the, the purposes of developing young players that way. So they didn't see, they no longer saw uh, much purpose in running the, the, the R League anymore. But that was their official reasoning. But I feel like, I mean, I, I, I guess everyone knows this already, but the biggest reason was probably because they just no longer had the financial resources to, to run the R League anymore mm-hmm. at that point in 2012. I mean, with all the match fixing scandals and you know all the all the bad stuff that was going on, I I felt like they needed to cut down on their on their on their budget just a little bit. Um, but uh, they're they are reviving it uh, this year. But um, back then when they when when they abolished the league, I I believe it wasn't a, a, an under twenty three league like it is this time around. So that's I think one of the biggest changes. Um, so you're saying so, and, to, to, to yeah. get some clarification, are you saying that or, or everybody's understanding is that it, it, we're including maybe even 18 year olds, 19 year olds in, in this mix in the reserve league? Theoretically, yeah, theoretically, that's possible. But um, whether they, they'll be doing that actively or not, we'll just have to wait and see. There's not not many things that are clear at this point. We'll just have to wait and see. OK. Yeah, no, I'll just throw out for people, um, from the articles I saw about it, the R League is supposedly targeting yeah, players 18 through 22. I think the rules right. say that teams can have, if they're in that age bracket, any number of players on the R League squad. And they are allowed five players that are 23 and older. So I guess we're still sort of at that question is, why, why, why are we bringing it back? Did they decide, do we think that, the, they realized that the U23 rules in the K-League that they had implemented were not really working? Or is there some other reason why they decided suddenly to bring back the R-League in this format? And I guess this is open to anyone. Because I, 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 don't, I don't think anyone knows knows, so just any ideas? I, mean, I guess I could speculate. To... Yeah, go ahead. The, the, I mean, this, the, the quick speculation is that you know, they, they just realized that, that there has to be more opportunities for, for the youth um, mm-hmm. to be able to play because, you know, best practices when you look at Europe is, you know, world-class players um, time in and time out usually come from the fact that they're getting some first-team minutes or some sort of uh, professional minutes, um, you know, at, at a tender age, 16, 17, 18, 19, um, and you know, with with players making a debut, maybe at 21, 22, 23, it may be they may be good at that point, but there's a lot of time lost. Uh, so they I, maybe on the recognition of that, um, they're like they're in any form possible, even with the limited amount of teams that this is maybe. And again, this is just speculation that, that they've come to this conclusion. From from what I heard, um, uh, Cho Gang Re from 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 uh, Daegu FC, the president of president of Daegu FC, he was the one who really proactively wanted to get these clubs to rally their support to revive the league because he's obviously a strong proponent of developing youth players oh, in the K League. Yeah, that and makes a lot of sense. He was, he was, yeah, he was the starting point. Like he's, it was his idea at first to to revive the R League mm. this year. Good, good man, Chogongle. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and so. Do I guess the R League is supposedly a an alternative to going to the traditional route and going in through a university school? Mm-hmm. Do do we think that the R League will be a, a significant improvement in terms of development for these players? 
to go with mm. an online game instead of a university site? I mean, the only real difference is pro versus university, right? So, I mean, I don't think I have a good comparison because, to be honest, it, it seems like it's mainly just the U.S. and the and Korea that does the whole university to pro thing that we don't yeah. see too much elsewhere. And I guess right now in Korea, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think there are many players that opt to not go through the university route. Like, the only one that I can really think of is some of one, but... Well, the players that opt not to go through university, there have been Kim Roman and Lu um, Chan-yang this year, mm. plus Im Min-hyuk and Kim Jong-hwan for Seoul. So there are a couple, but, um, right, but it's, it's uh, not too common. Yeah, I meant players like more developed in their careers, right? Mm. Who, who had a couple of years of K-League under their belts. Like, I don't... So I guess, I mean, we're, we're to that, like Steve was saying, I mean, time will tell. Um, how this is going to pan out, but I mean the hope would be that you know we're we're routing more people in the in that pro track, the professional track, right, right? And that sets it apart because they just know. I mean, you look at the U.S. and how you know we, the universities to pro system is just you, you know a, a, a burden on progress for the U.S. for U.S. soccer. Um, it, you just only have to look to the U.S. model to, to say, yeah, there's got to be a change here. I also think it's nice to have an army just because K-League teams are so massive in squad numbers. Mm-hmm. So I think thinning it out is, and spreading more players to different leagues is a great idea. Not just for development, for, but for that purpose as well. Yeah. And then speaking of a, of a U.S. player that, that's on a good track at the moment. Um, Jordan Morris. In, well, Christian Pulisic just had oh, his Pulisic. Uh, Pulisic. He just had his debut for uh, Borussia Dortmund. Um, getting yeah, uh, first league minutes um, last weekend, and you know, at at the age of seventeen, that's you know he's got limited minutes, but that pays off incredible dividends down the stretch. You know, I, I guess my question sort of is like, what's what are like the real significant improvements that, you know, an R-League system would have uh, when compared to the university system? Because I'm just trying to... Yeah, that, that's know, my biggest question, too. Like, yeah. How big of an improvement is it? That's the question. Or is it, an, is it a significant improvement at all? Well, so I would say... I mean, obviously, I don't know, but I mean, obviously, the team I follow closely is, of course, Pusan I Park. And I mean, looking at their squad, a lot of the players that they brought in are players that would probably be fairly natural in the university system. They're, you know, 20, 21, maybe 22 year old players that, you know, they're not, they're not youth products, but so I I do have my own doubts a little bit wondering whether the R league is really going to significantly change the youth development system in in Korea or help uh, younger players in that kind of 18 to 20 group that, kind of push on. And so I guess we'll end, we'll wrap up our, our league section with, um, is the R league going to be successful long-term or is this just enough sort of knee-jerk reaction that, you know, in two, three years time, it'll just you know, sort of trickle and fade out again. They'll say, Oh, it's not really working. We don't have the money. We'll just cancel it down again. Do we see the R league being, 
a, a viable long-term project for Korean football? I think so. I mean, assuming that we have the financial resources to back it up, I think anything that guarantees more players more time is good. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that. You know, it, it and it, it's, you know, they've got to move in this direction. I mean, we're, we're going to lose, you know, the, the Huang Yi Chans of the world are, are not going to, you know, wait around. Um, you know, and, mm. and, and the, I wonder privately whether Ru Sung Woo, you know, could it have been like one step uh, in a more positive direction, you know, had there been a reserve league rather than coming straight out of the university system. You know, he there was there's a lot of raw talent in the university system. It's just a matter of like molding that and 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 getting you know professional coaches rather than you know amateur university coaches, um, getting them better better experience and training and, and um, more time. It's 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 more than just a hope. It's just just it comes down to to me in terms of the future of Korean football. Just an absolute necessity to to and that. There is a viable um, system in place, and and speaking of Lucian, uh, I think short term wise, um, this this R league that's starting this year will probably help the under twenty three team a lot as, as they get ready for the Olympics this summer. Mm-hmm. So I, I I feel like that's also mm-hmm. a big plus for the team as they get ready for the tournament um, over the next five six months or so. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, one thing that's that that's worth about to mention is they're not keeping track of the our league results this year for whatever reason they're not going to have a league table for this league it's just a matter of playing these games and getting them over with uh, i think that's really interesting they're not going to have Weird. a league table or or league champions or anything like that they're going to break this league into two divisions um yeah. there, there will be a, a, a metropolitan league of team team uh, clubs around seoul and then clubs outside of it um they're going to have two separate divisions but they're not going to keep track of the match results I mean, they're really not going to have a league champ. It is very weird. It's very strange. I mean, I mean, it's good motivation to have something like that in the first place, though. They should be keeping right, records. right. Yeah, yeah. It's. But I'm wondering why some K League teams would opt not to use the R League system because, like you said, I think there's only what 14 teams this yeah. year that are going to take advantage of it or that are going to test it out. So I'm just wondering if anyone knows why some other clubs might not opt to. Enter is it some financial reason or just a matter of squad depth or not believing in the R League? It's all fine. It's all financial. Okay. So to that quickly is, I wonder if some of those teams that again aren't like Steve was saying for financial reasons don't have enough resources to to field a reserve team. Uh, would that? portend the possibility that some of these teams don't have their own academy system. No, I don't think so. They all they all, they all, they all do. They all do. Yeah. Okay. All right. Except it's a high school. Or a- yeah, they're all they're all required to have an academy. So, which is yeah. how they structured maybe some differences there. Okay. I think it's more worried about how whether they have the the money to expand their senior squad roster to a okay. reserve right. league. Right, 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 right. Because, right. like, the most known terms like the academy is Poong. Poong is not in the reserve, in the R League. They okay. will not participate. They have a very famous academy, but uh, possible, of course, is very well-known. They're really struggling financially. Okay. They just don't have the money to expand the roster to include an R League side. Finances. Okay. All right. All right. So I think that pretty much wraps up 
the main points to talk about for the new R League will be interesting to see how it pans out this year and into the future. And so we'll shift actually down a little bit younger on the age bracket. Um, as Steve mentioned, the last few years, the K-League has been pushing, making these small rules to try to boost playing time for U23 players, uh, including them on match day rosters. And then I believe next season, they will be required to start a U23 players. Okay. Last year, last season, I believe, if they didn't have a U23 player on their roster, they got punished with a bench restriction. So I'm not sure if that'll carry over to this year as well. Mm. And so I, I wonder, do, do you think that this, these rules to boost U23 by including them and now forcing to play one, is this a good thing? Does this help, help the league or teams, or is this just a, more of a bigger picture for the national team? I think it's weird that they have... I mean, it's if the clubs aren't going to do it, then they have to put in a rule. But, I, but like, no other league puts in a rule like this. So... I'm, I don't know about long run, but um, I think in a short run, short run, this will be a really good thing. And, and who's to say that it's it's to uh, address the um, you know the culture that that deals with age seniority um, and you know modern day football? We have to be more flexible uh, mm. than than that. So it's just it's a good you know call to change the culture, and hopefully for the long run, it will in a positive direction. Yes, and one one thing that I wanted to add was I certainly don't see a negative in enforcing a regulation like this. But when you're talking about developing young players, um, there are other factors that sort of come into play, um, like um, securing enough coaches so that they can go through the right training programs so that they can develop. And it's always not yeah. it's always not about getting playing time. Obviously, getting playing time is the most important, but there are secondary um, things that will have to be implemented for them right. to develop properly. So mm-hmm. Now, my, here's my question. Does the R-League have its own coaching and everything? I don't it'll probably so. be, yeah. yeah, it'll probably be the assistant coach of the first team squad that'll coach the, uh. the, the R-League teams. But, mm-hmm. again, it's like one of those things that aren't very clear at this point. We we'll yeah. just have to wait and see how it plays out. Yeah. You, you know, and, and quickly addressing um, uh, the whole culture surrounding this again. It, and the atmosphere surrounding this is that, and it puts a context to this is um, the the guys at um, Forty Eight Shades of Football, um, the Scottish expats, had interviewed Dan uh, Dan Harris, who's the fitness coach, assistant coach for Seoul Eland, and used to be ex Celtic uh, assistant coach and coached several other uh, top flight clubs in Europe. And um, you know, he was commenting a bit his observation that. Uh, you know, when, when he's seeing, you know, young uh, people making their debuts per, uh, in top flight football in Korea at age 22, 21, it's just like there's a lot of time lost there. And and, um, and and I think this this is, again, this is addressing that whole changing that paradigm um, in a positive way, you know. All right. And that, I think that's a very good segue into uh, our next section, which is, should the league be doing more to focus on maybe that 16 to 20 age group, the U18s, U20 groups? Because obviously, because of the university system and 
just the way Korean football is traditionally, like where you just said, most players debut on a pro side when they are 21, 22, 23. And so should, is the league making maybe a mistake and not doing more to, I mean, obviously the R league should in theory help, you know, the 19, 20 year olds get more minutes, but should they be maybe looking more at trying to help boost like the 17, 18 year olds, maybe that are the really top high school kids or just out of high school? I, I think so, and the reason is, if you look at the Japanese model, you know, some, yes. of, some of their players, they've been playing first-team football since they were 16, 17, as you said. Um, um, and it makes a difference. I mean, you look at, the, the, and to piggyback, Jinsuk, what you just said, um, when Huang Hee Chan went over to uh, Salzburg, Red Bull, um, a Japanese player um, went. He's 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 is he young? About the same age, roughly. Same age. But he's had you know first team minutes. Where uh, Huang Chan for was he signed to? Was he with Pohong? Yeah. Yeah. So he was yes, with Pohong yes. Chetsu, which is the high school. So high school system is like the eight, under eighteen. Yeah. And you will spend. And Korean coaches do recommend that they finish like high school, like until they're eighteen, before joining pros. Yeah. For joining pro, which I don't know, I would now. I'm not an expert in this, but I would personally like to see like the top high school kids, like Huang Chan, because even when Huang Chan was 16, he was ripping it up, you know, like yeah. for the U16 team in the AFC Championship. You know, I think some of the top like 16 years old should be playing, should at least get some minutes with the first team instead of being limited to the high school U18 side. Right, and 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 in that. You know, in that particular scenario, right at that moment of time, when they both transferred roughly about the same time, um, Huang was sort of sidestepped into uh, on loan Leafering. to Liefering, whereas Minimo went straight to, uh, because he had first team minutes um, in the J-League, uh, went right to um, the parent club, um, Red Bull Salzburg. So, it, you know, fortunately, he's on, Huang T. Chan is on a good track, but, you know, it who's to say that that you know, it impacted slightly negatively that he didn't get first team minutes when, when he was picked up by um, Red Bull um, in Austria. So I don't know, is, is one of, it's a, just a micro example uh, of, of sort of what's happening. And I think would support Ginseng's, uh, you know, conclusion. We, we do need to, Korea does need to really push the idea of getting 16 to 20 year olds to, to, to get more pro minutes. Yeah, but that's legally not possible at this point. That's fascinating to hear. Starting yes. 2007 or 2008, either one of those two years. Um, yeah, because when they implemented the draft system, the rookie draft system, they no longer have it anymore starting this year. But um, from then, they started prohibiting clubs from signing under 18 players. So you have to be 18 to get to sign a professional contract with the K-League clubs now. So that's one of the reasons why the number of teenage players um, why that number is decreasing over the last, I don't know, about 10 years or so now. Mm. So they, they can't sign a teenage player at this. Like, they, they can, but they either have to be 18 or 19. Um, if you're under 18, the clubs are, they, they're legally prohibited from signing them. It's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable rule. I remember somebody was saying that you, you had the inside skinny on that on that, that ruling. I, I wasn't aware that that, that was a, a in, enshrined right, in the right, right, right. 
enshrined in, in, in law. It's unbelievable. Um, is there any way? Yeah. Uh, is, is there a sense that there's a movement to to undo that law? I did hear that clubs can play um, under 18 players for the R League, but at this point, um, for actual K League matches, they it's, by law they they won't be able to play under 18 players. Unbelievable! Mm. Unbelievable! And is that is that decision more like society motivated? That's just like the Korean yeah. It's ones? actually it's actually the labor law of of Korea. Oh, that, yeah. So I think I wrote a I wrote a feature story on this for for Goal.com Korea after the 2014 season. So the numbers might have changed just a little bit, but I can't imagine it being too much different. Right. Uh, the 22 clubs in both divisions in the K League they have a total of 17 teenage players. Um, and that's huh. that's a really small number. Um, it is. Yeah, and only two players in 2014 were getting decent playing time for for, for their clubs. And if I remember correctly, one of them was Samyeongwon for for Daejeon. I think he's mm, with yeah. Ulsan now. But and and the other and the other one was uh, Lee Kwang Hyuk for for Pohang. I, yes. I I think he's still with them, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he's still with them. And he's two guys were getting. Yeah, they were. Those two guys were getting regular playing time. But outside of those two, the other 15, they were barely getting any playing time and in 2014 there was no R league so they were pretty much either sitting on the bench or they were not even making the match day squad just you know wasting time that way yeah and and when you we speak of the 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 legal angle that that's right sort of um you, you know impacting this this situation um let's mm-hmm. let's fast forward to say the usual track which is a uh, uh, a person goes through the university system, gets picked up by a club, gets his debut maybe at 22, and then, you know, if he if he doesn't get military exemption through the Olympics or the Asian gold the games, that <laughs> which is difficult to do, then, then then they're on track for being uh, going to the military and and joining Sangju Samu or, or another club of that kind of ilk, and that that you know is a, another legal. Um, you know, problem that that's that's limiting um, the progress of Korean football. I mean, you look at that small right. window of time. It's it's it's. I, I throw my hands in the air when when I think about this. Yeah, and just to give you some more numbers, uh, the Bundesliga had fifty four teenage players in, in their first division, and oh. the, the Premier League the Premier League had forty nine. Um, Serie A had forty six. This was in two thousand fourteen, and even the J League had forty five. Chinese Super League twenty nine. Holy so moly! That, there's a pretty there's a pretty big gap there. I, you, you've got a sense that Uli Stilike knows the situation that's on the ground and, and is you know on his I'm end sure is active, trying sure to actively trying to change that. Um, being mm-hmm. you know from the Real Madrid system and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it, yeah. One thing that's interesting though. One thing that's interesting is La Liga only had twenty one teenage players in their first division, but. You do have to realize for La Liga, they have a lot of their reserve teams in the second or third division in in, right. in Spain. So that's, that's right. where these teenage players play. And obviously, that that that's a, you know that's not the case with Korea. Yeah, and that's still professional minutes, even if it's in uh, the second division. Right, yeah. right, right. So I think Good. if if the uh, could clubs theoretically put B teams into the challenge? Is that no? That's not probably not an option because the challenge doesn't have many teams. And to be honest, right, that's yeah. classic. Well, like, isn't that the purpose of the R League then? Yeah, I, I guess that, so. Yeah. But it w- yeah, it would be neat to say you know FC Seoul were to field and start a uh, 
you know, a challenge team, you know, FC Soul B, for lack of a better <laughs> name. But no, 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 no. Like, I, I, as, as, as someone who, who supports a team in, in the, in the K-League Challenge, oh. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not, like... <laughs> Maybe the, cha- okay, how about, the, how about the, the, what's the other one? Um, the third tier. Isn't there the, um, the idea that they're going to fully flesh out the third and fourth tier? Yeah, that, that, that came up, I think, Steve... Uh, spoke, uh, wrote about it on Twitter or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, even by law, I think K-League teams can field their reserves team for the K-3 League, the 4th Division League at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, but is that does that really provide a more competitive environment yeah. than, than the R-League that they're watching? That's always the question to yeah. answer. At. And at this point, it's impossible to tell. R-League isn't competitive enough if they don't take like rankings. Or, exactly. or all the teams, you know, there, yeah. there's, there's a limited they're, amount of teams. They're taking the competitive value out of it, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see how it really plays out. To draw a sort of oversimplifying example to other sports, this reminds me more of the MLB and the, and, and the AAA system, where it doesn't really matter who wins, it matters who gets called up, as opposed to, right. you know, like the U23 league and in, in the Premier League in, in England, right, where they really have, you know, rankings and teams get, I think they get relegated and promoted as well, so... And just quickly on the Killing Challenge, I'm just, just explaining why I don't, I'm sort of opposed to having B teams in there. It just kind of messes up the whole idea of promotion or delegation. When, when I know a B team can't be promoted, but it's just kind of strange to see them, you know, for example, if they're like third, second position, third position, it's just kind of weird that they can start playing this spoiler role that, you know, they can't yeah, be promoted, they, they can stop other teams from getting promoted. And it's just this weird element that I just don't like on, on, on first thought. So. But I guess the best of both worlds would be having a, a strong, healthy, and competitive, uh, challenging reserve league. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess you, you both have kind of already answered it, but uh, would we support the idea of B teams like you see in Spain where you can have like Real Madrid, Real Madrid Castilla, and the Segunda or Barcelona B competing with profess- against other full professional sides, or do you prefer what the KOU is doing with a, an R-League, where they just kind of their own existence? I kind of prefer the Spain variation, because that adds a new dimension of physicality, right? Like, you have to compete against people who are much older than you. So, um, our last section that we'll talk about has to do with uh, contracts, specifically for uh, new players, rookie players. Um, the K-League does have uh, strict guidelines in terms of how, what rookies get offered in terms of their salaries and the length of their contract. Um, I looked it up. I hope I got this right. Um, teams are allowed to sign three players that they designate an S-level player. This is the top level, so to speak. They get a five-year contract a signing bonus of approximately, I think it's $100,000. It's about $100 million won, I think that's correct. And they get a salary of approximately $36 million won, which would be about $36,000. And I think over the off-season, one of the bigger stories was uh, Lee Jung-Hyuk and his contract at Busan High Park, and I believe it would be on this type of contract, based on what I saw. Would that be correct in assuming this, I think? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, below that, they have an A-level contract, 
Uh, it's a three to five year deal. I don't believe there's any signing bonus and they get paid anywhere from about 24 million to 36 million won. So $24,000, The lowest level is a B-level contract. It's a one-year deal that they get paid about twenty grand a year, U.S. dollars. Hmm. And so um, I know this is something, Steve, I think you have some pretty strong feelings about and how it affects <laughs> players when they graduate from college or high school, where they go in terms of do they sign for K-League or do they go J-League, Mideast, or elsewhere. And I think also we talked about Huang Yichan. I think this is also probably something that, that ties into his decision as well, not to sign with Poan. And so first, I guess, I mean, what, what, are, what, what do we think is the impact of having these very strict contract limits on, on new players and young players on them and the league overall? Well, when I when I talked about the 17 teenage players in the K-League that were playing in 2014, um, most of those players were actually second-tier players in the Korean high school league, the under-18 league, because the first-tier players, they'd rather go to college for the co- for, to, to get college diploma because we know how important that is in the Korean society. Or they'd opt to go to Japan. So most of the teenage players that you see in the K-League right now, I'm sure 80 to 90% of them, they are probably you know second-rate players that... Who, who played in the high school league as opposed to, you know, the first, the, the, the first class players in, in, in the high school league, they'll opt to go to either college or they'll rather play overseas because the salary for the rookies in the K league is, it's pretty atrocious. Yeah. That, that sounds is, worrying. Yeah. That is very worrying. But I mean, if you think about it, 36,000 is like really low for a professional sport. <laughs> Yeah, sure, sure. I think most high school teachers make more. All right. Yeah, I'll, throw out, I'll throw out an, uh, an equivalency. When I was teaching English at a public school in Korea, I was making about what the A-level would make, about 30000 a year. If you are your average kind of run-of-the-mill English teacher there, a foreigner, I'll give you, who just has a college degree, you'll make about what the B levels are, about $20,000 a year. So, I mean, I think for a a teacher, a Korean teacher, would probably depend on their seniority and how much experience they have. But, I mean, it's it's a little bit of a tricky thing, I think, to assess. I think it's important to remember that not all leagues are, you know, huge money leagues like in Europe. Not the majority, in terms of percentage of, professional footballers probably do not make huge amounts of money. And yeah. within Korea, I think you're making, you know, $36 million a year. That's, it's not great, obviously, but, I mean, it, it's, it's certainly more than maybe some other, some jobs that you would get straight out of college. That's true. But you were saying that um, you felt like it, it, was, a, it was comfortable to, to live um, – other than other than Seoul, it you could get um, a pretty comfortable existence off of that in, in certain parts of Korea. So it's, you're putting that in, in in terms of the living wage context. Yeah, a little bit because I mean it's it's possible. I mean it's not going to happen for everyone, and it certainly does depend on on where you live. Um, obviously, as in most places, housing is the having a house is the biggest issue. 
Um, prices for housing are very expensive in Korea all over. And so, but I mean, we survived on, on my wage alone, me, my wife, and our daughter in Busan. And we, I mean, we didn't have the nicest apartment, but it wasn't, you know, a hellhole either. So, I mean, we were, we were fairly comfortable there on my wage. So it's possible, but I mean, you won't, you aren't going to be like what we think of as like a pro footballer with, you know, the flashy car and, you know, the huge luxurious mansion kind of thing. Yeah. But you, you know, the, it's, it's all in the optics. I think, I mean, John Dwerden was talking about in, in ESPN or actually when the New York times, this, this made, um, I think one of the, this made uh, a lot of headlines in, in the New York times about the problem of the low wages, uh, in Korean football and, 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 Korean players, you know, going, having forced to go abroad to China. And, you know, I, if we're, it's a chicken or egg thing, but if, if ever, you know, Korean, young Korean uh, footballers are are looking at this as a possible career avenue, um, Mm -hmm. it's certainly a discouragement to see the low numbers. And um, I, I fear for the future of the long term. Of, of Korean football, if it continues in this fashion, I mean, currently we're, we're uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think we're making do, but it, it, it certainly could be better. And, and the the whole environment, in terms of um, giving young people that motivation, that incentive to, to get into this, um, is you know, I it's just not there right now. And, and just to discourage you guys just a little bit more. <sighs> The, the minimum the minimum salary for K League rookies is twelve thousand dollars. So you wow. have to realize that some of these players are actually a twelve thousand dollar deal and only one year in their contract is guaranteed. So um, I'm not completely <laughs> informed on the T V deal to be honest, but my if I recall the T V deal the current deal ended at the end of last season and right. I wanna say it was worth I think the KOE says about six and a half billion won or so. Does that sound about right? I believe I believe it was around five million dollars uh, U.S. dollars, five okay. million a year. Okay, yeah. So I think they'll probably be closest if you did the yeah. the currency exchange. All right, and so right. Um, do you know anything about any new deal that they're working on for the next year? I think they are continuing on with terrestrial network deal where they're airing games um, almost on a weekly basis, but I believe they don't make any money off of it from, from what I know. Um, they're airing these games for the sake of getting exposure at this point to see how ratings um, pan out. Uh, and with the Spo TV deal, they're airing every game, um, but that's that's strictly online most of the time. Right. Uh, and... It's a little disheartening because the baseball league earns forty million dollars a year, and obviously with the baseball league, you do have more games, so you you would expect some discrepancy there. But the gap is pretty big if you if you consider the the amount of money that the, that the two leagues are making. Um, and from what I know, I think the J League makes about one hundred and thirty million dollars just off of TV deals annually. Holy so there's there's a huge difference there as well. Yeah, and from two thousand from two thousand seventeen, I, I heard this from a Thai uh, football writer that he, that the Thai league from st- from two thousand seventeen will make twenty five million dollars per year um, through through their <laughs> oh TV deal. So that's right. right. And then the Saudi league gets one hundred and ten million. That's, 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 
Oh my god! The, I mean, it's staggering to think that of, of that yeah, stark difference. No question about it. Um, I, I guess you got to start somewhere, and and uh, you know when I see Kaylee games, um, you, you know they're just there's a production value problem too. I mean, it's like it's not exciting, <laughs> right. like, you know. You know yeah. Whereas, I mean, you look at NBC here in the United States trying to grow the sport, um, amazing production values, and it, and it's paying off. Um, I think pretty handsomely at the moment. They're 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 increasing their their attendance. Um, well, rather not the attendance, but but um, eyes eyes to the tube. I mean, they're they're getting those numbers um, and they're getting them up there. And the biggest difference is um, the biggest difference between the K League and other football leagues around the world is that other leagues they uh, strike these TV deals as a source of um, revenue, whereas for the K-League, it's more about getting them done for the sake of getting more exposure, getting whatever they can get, you know, salvaging whatever they can get through these TV deals so that they can get exposure. But, you know, obviously it's different outside of Korea. They use TV deals to generate revenue. That, that's, that's really the biggest difference. You come with uh, tidings of gladness and joy. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I, I, that is absolutely what a situation. Mm. And uh, I'll just start one last question. I don't know if I heard this somewhere or if I'm just making it up. Has there been any push to tie the K League TV deal with K, um, national team games deals in terms of broadcasts? I heard this too. Seems yeah, like it would make the sense. Media, right? the, the media has been advocating that for the longest time, but it really, yeah, it hasn't come to fruition uh, for whatever reason. That's what that's what MLS did with their TV deal. They bundled that with the national team rights. Um, that's why they were able to get such a lucrative deal from from NBC, from what I know. Um, mm-hmm. but with with the K League, it, it just hasn't been materializing. It would make a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. Also, it I does. Don't... It definitely does. And Steve, I don't know if you know, is there what's the logic? For the na- just to move a little away from the K League, but for the national team to be shown on so many different channels, because you see it, of course, on NBC, SBS, KBS, and recently right. TBC has also picked up games. Does it? I'm just wondering what's the, 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 yeah, just like the, it's national the, the, the logic. Yeah. The logic is that there's no logic, but also because <laughs> these TV networks they wanna they they wanna compete against each other um to get those ratings because um the the broadcast networks in Korea, well at least from the way I see it, um they it's very rare that they invest money into something with potential. They they want to invest money into something that will guarantee them a certain return. Yeah. So the ratings. If it guarantees ratings, the games will get aired and the deals will get better and better from a financial standpoint. But at this point, from what I know, the K-League, K-League games, they're averaging 1% or 2% ratings um, per, per match. So uh, that's obviously not enough to convince these TV networks to you know, offer more money to air these games. I mean, can you imagine a future where that's flipped, where there's the same you know, football match aired you know, one channel after another and, th- and that illogic can, you know, happens at least in the K League's favor. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. <laughs> speaking of speaking of 
TV ratings, um, when you air a national team World Cup game, um, that obviously guarantees a huge, huge um, TV rating. So yeah. that's that's the difference between the K League and national team football. It's definitely from a from from when you look at it from that perspective, you know the the discrepancy is huge. And these are just two different contents. They're both soccer. They're both football. But yeah. um, from from the value of the TV ratings, it's 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 completely two different contents. One more really illogical thing that I, I realized um, while I was in Korea in summertime was that if, you know, sometimes, sometimes baseball games get rained out. And so if there's only one game on, you'd have five channels airing the same game because the four right. other games got rained out. And I find this almost ridiculous, but I, I guess it touches on the point that I guess baseball just pulls better for ratings and for, you know, financially, I, I guess, in Korea than, than, than football ever will is that there's so much more um advertising revenue that you can generate from baseball games as opposed to football mm. I, I i feel like that's the biggest difference and higher ratings also yeah. well i mean yeah, i mean obviously the short answer is uh there's 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 no easy answer to how to change that paradigm but i mean it you know there's just got to be a monumental cultural change you know in that regard so uh in terms of the football watching culture you know um but right. for, it's, it's definitely not something you can you can change overnight yeah yeah all right well i think steve you have to go and so uh i obviously would all like to thank you for for joining us and yeah. your insight no, into, really appreciate it for having me on guys it's been fantastic talking to you. Well, we should let you go. We want to honor your time. Thank you once again. And ciao, uh, ga, uh, my best Korean <laughs> attempt to say goodbye. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, that will wrap it up for this edition of the Tavern of the Taegook Warriors podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, join us next time. We will continue our talk on some of the issues surrounding the case as we get ready for the 2016 season. Thank you for listening again, and join us next time. Goodbye.